Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. Worship is what we're here to talk about. Worship is this first part. But worship has a little bit more of a, um, a bigger meaning in this series. Uh, and let me explain that just for a moment. Um, this next seven weeks, so we've set it up in the last two weeks. We, we had the introduction two weeks ago. Then we had the phenomenal, um, the phenomenal talk last week with uh, the four women that joined me uh, in that Zoom meeting, which was fantastic, and I'm hoping that you got a whole heap out of that. But from now on, for the next seven weeks, uh, we are going to be starting to break down in, in different ways of uh, what spiritual disciplines are and doing a little bit more of an exposure which ties into both the Monday and the Wednesdays every week. So I'm hoping uh, that we are able to do what the challenge that was laid out two weeks ago, and that is to set aside, even if it's just 20 minutes, 20 minutes in the week, to be able to sit there and say, hey, God, what are you highlighting in my soul that my soul needs or that is yearning for? Um, so worship in this, in this case it is a lot more than what it is, uh, just the word. Uh, and we will be exploring that this week. But worship, if I have a look down here, is the first letter in worship. So as we go through the seven weeks, each letter of worship represents one part of what is actually happening in this series. So I'm hoping that as we, we start exposing different parts of what spiritual disciplines are, uh, unbeknownst to a lot of us, we're already starting to do a lot of these spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines. Uh, it's just being more intentional, um, being more attentive to them. Uh, we did one this morning um, in the Holy Communion, which I'll go into later on. But um, th- these are things that are already part of our our life, but we just need to be that little bit more intentional from. All right, so worship. Today's today's um, today's topic, or this week's topic, actually that I'm launching today is is actual worship. It's valuing the right stuff, practices. So the spiritual practices or the disciplines that address the most important things in life, and these are what they are: celebration, gratitude, holy communion, the rule of life. Sabbath, Visa Divina, and worship itself. Your desire for God and your capacity to connect with God as a human soul is the essence of who you are. I'm going to repeat that again. Your desire for God and your capacity to connect with God is, as a human soul is the essence of who you are. That's by a lady by the name of Ruth Hallie Barton, Barton, sorry, um, through her book called Initiate, uh, Invitation to Solitude and Silence. Human beings are made for worship. Everyone worships something or someone. G.K. Chesterton said it perfectly. He said this, The crux in the crisis is that Man found it natural to worship, even natural to worship unnatural things. If man cannot pray, he is gagged. If he cannot kneel, he is in irons. 
So let's start breaking this down. Human beings cannot help but assign ultimate value and worth to someone or something. Of course it doesn't mean that everyone worships God. One ultimate devotion or somebody's devotion can rest in money, success, a person, a garden, a creed, a cause, and so forth. You get my picture. Ultimately, what we are devoted to will shape our lives. Many of us are devoted to um, the same things of our culture that our culture worships. And that's houses, money, retirement plans, vacations, comforts, successes, in and out, uh, in and of more than we value God. So in these, we, we value these more than what we value God. We prioritize these more than what we prioritize God in our lives. And unfortunately, that is what ends up modeling what our lives are all about. We end up worshiping secondary things. And all these things are secondary things. Secondary things can never satisfy our core longings, what our soul is yearning for, what we need to be able to live in the purposeful lives that we've been created for. Only a love relationship with our Creator, and I'll say that again, only a love, uh, love relationship with our Creator can do that. In worship, however you worship, we fall into the arms of God and say, have your way in me. Have your way with me. And it ties up to what our, uh, what our, our vision for this year, for 2020, is being less of me and more of you. Less of my desires, less of my secondary things, the things that take up my time, the things that preoccupy me, the things that I prioritize because I think that they are of value but yet they are of little less value than anything in our lives. So let's break it down as I, as I introduced you to it before. First one this morning is celebration. Celebration is a way. So this is the worship, the celebration of worship, yeah? Celebration is a way of engaging. And just, as a, just before I kick all this off, I, I just want to remind you of what I said last, uh, last time. Be intent. Not every single one of these... Uh, these spiritual disciplines will actually uh, catch your eye, catch your ear or catch your heart. You need to actually sit there and center yourself. And just before I actually go into this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And I would love to be able to pray for all of us to be able to be attentive to our souls so that when God does spark something in us, uh, when we hear something that we are either interested in or our soul is actually calling out for, that we can intentionally step into that, that area, that space. And as I said, only giving the 20 minutes just as that exposure to see what our soul reacts to uh, might actually be a lot healthier or a lot more positive or a lot more life-building than we can ever imagine. So let me pray. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this opportunity to dive in and expose what you've already placed in our lives as life-building and soul-encouraging movements. I pray that we can be attentive to this. And I pray that we do not miss what you're trying to call out to us in this. I pray that these words that I'm about to say are not of me but of you. 
And I pray that the hearts that hear this are open not only just to receiving it, but actually to capture it and start molding what's happening. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So celebration. Celebration is the first one that we're going to be going through. Celebration is the way of engaging in actions or that orientate the spirit towards worship, praise, and thanksgiving. So does your soul desire this? Listen to this. Listen to this. To take joyful, passionate pleasure in God and the radical, glorious nature of God's people. Word, world, and purposes. Does your soul yearn for that? Does your soul cry out for identifying and pursuing those that bring the heart deep, the heart of deep gladness and revealing in them before the Lord? This may include time spent with others, sharing meals, work, serving, worshipping, laughing, listening to music, dancing, and so on. The expression of that. In Zafina, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm pronouncing that wrong, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it. It's a, it's a really great book in between Habakkuk and Haggai. And so in Zafina um, 3.17, it says this, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty saviour. He will take delight and gladness. He will take delight in you with gladness, I should say. With his love, he will calm all your fears. In other versions, it says he will renew you with his love. He will renew you with his love. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. It's not about us, but about God. It's not about what we can get out of it, but about Letting God, as it says here, rejoice over us with joyful song. Now you'll hear that a lot, that it's not about us in this. And I'm hoping that you can take that on. God celebrates. He really does. He celebrates us. Why wouldn't he when he actually... And names us as his masterpiece, his handiwork. God celebrates. He invented, delighted, joy, joyed and celebrate. He invented it. He invented delight, joy and celebration. So why wouldn't he delight in his handiwork, in his masterpiece? One way we can enter into his divine life of Trinity is through celebration. Whether solemn or uh, exhilaration, formal or spontaneous, celebration can enlarge our capacity to enjoy and serve God. Let's enjoy our creator. Let's do what he's actually created us to do. Celebrating God does not depend on perfect circumstances or happy feelings. Even in prison, Paul and Silas found something to sing about in Acts. To abandon ourselves to celebration can feel like a risky thing because you're putting yourself out there. You're putting yourself and your own ambitions and your own uh, what you think other people are thinking of you aside to actually spend that moment with your creator, that intimate moment with your creator. 
So what things might be running through your head as you go into this celebration of worship is, what if you get misunderstood? What if you seem like you're crazy? Well, King David was so undignified, was the words that were used in his celebration of the Lord that his wife rebuked him for his public display. But David replied this in Second Samuel, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will humiliate, I will be humiliated in my own eyes. Setting my own self, getting out of the way and allowing my body who God created to actually celebrate him. Set your eyes on God as you celebrate and forget about how you look. God delights in all kinds of worship. Our next one this morning is gratitude. Gratitude is a loving and thankful response toward God for his presence with us and within the world. Through blessings can move us into gratitude. So through blessings, it can move us into gratitude. It is not about the root of a thankful heart. God, delighting God and his good will and his goodwill is the heartbeat of thankfulness. Let me repeat that again. Delighting God and his goodwill, as he is the, the, as that is the heartbeat of thankfulness. So does your soul desire this? So listen out for this and open up your heart for this. Does your soul desire to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, promoting to live with a grateful heart, awareness of God's work in your life and your abundant resources? It could look like this, yeah? Prayers and songs that focus on God's generosity. Does your your heart leap for that? Grateful giving and sharing all that are and have as a sign of your thankfulness for God. Expressions of gratitude towards others. The habit of saying, thank you, I am so grateful, you are so kind, and so forth and so forth. I know a lot of us say that just to be polite, But are we actually saying it intentionally because of what God has already blessed us with? Gratefully noticing God's presence and gifts throughout every day in every way. Practicing the abundance of mentally, uh, abundance of mentally counting the blessings of your life and keeping the gratitude, uh, keeping a gratitude journal of countless gifts that God has brought you. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says this, Always be joyful, never stop praying. And here's the kicker in this verse. Be thankful in all circumstances. It doesn't say just be thankful. It says be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Thankfulness is a thread that can bind together all the paper patchwork squares of our lives. Difficult times, happy days, seasons of sickness, hours of bliss. All can be sewn together into something lovely with a thread of thankfulness. Jesus is especially good at doing this. Once he was in a tough situation with a lot of hungry people on his hands and all he had was five loaves of bread and two fish. 
He could have complained about, complained to God um, that God shouldn't have expected him to feed 5,000 people with so little. But Jesus didn't write off the loaves or fish as nothing. He noticed what he was given and gave thanks. We find this story in Mark 6. And in these less than perfect circumstances, God supplied all that was needed. We, like Jesus, have choices about how we respond to what life dishes up. We each have the power to interrupt the facts of our lives. We make the choices that turn us into either bitter people or grateful people. Thanksgiving is possible not because of everything that goes perfectly, but because God is present in everything. I'll repeat that again. Thanksgiving is possible not because everything goes perfectly, but because God is present in everything. The Spirit of God is within us. Nearing and nearer, the Spirit of God is nearer to us than our own breath. It is a discipline to choose to stitch our days together with the thread of gratitude. But the decision to do so is guaranteed to stitch us closer to God. The next one we've already done this morning, and as I said, you, you might find things that, that we take for granted uh, each week, but it's actually a spiritual discipline if we can intentionally seek into this, and that's Holy Communion. We do this every week as a family. The Lord's Supper celebrates God's redemptive plan through the sacrificial death of Jesus. Through his meal of bread and wine, all the grape grape juice, we join ourselves with Christ and feed on him in our hearts through faith. Does your soul desire to intently push into this? Listen to this. Do you desire to be nourished by Christ, tasting the sweet death depths of redemption, partaking in Christ's body and blood in the sacrament, uh, in sacrament of communion. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says this, Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the story, proclaiming our Lord's death until he comes. One of the very first practices, spiritual disciplines in the early church was the observance of communion also known as the Lord's Supper or celebration. Jesus himself instituted this practice with his disciples just hours before his death. This supper ties the blood of the Old Testament sacrifice to God's radical rescue of humankind through his own blood. Jesus became the innocent lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Sacrificing his own lives, he opens up a doorway from death to life, from rebellion to friendship, from separation to communion, and from senselessness of suffering to redemptive suffering. The significance of the Lord's Supper is revealed in this sacramental nature. The next one this morning. Is rule of life. I'm hoping that you're keeping attentive to these. A rule of life offers a unique and regular rhythms that free and open each person 
to the will and the presence of Christ. The spiritual practices of the rule of a rule provide a way to partner with the Holy Spirit for personal transformation. Does your soul desire this? Listen to this. To live a sane and holy rhythm that reflects a deep love for God and respect of how the Creator has made you. Loving yourself. Rule of life. Listen to this. Nurturing disciplines that draw you more deeply into loving God. Creating rhythms that honour your desires and limits. Sounds like those people that may have a slight bit of OCD would love this one. Periodically assessing the spiritual journey, not by comparison to others, but through your unique rule from your personal growth. Knowing yourself and knowing God. Developing a spiritual growth pathway that perfectly suits your stage and personality. I know some people personally that like those charts that actually map out everything that they go. They, they love seeing things on pieces of paper. This might be perfect for, for these people. Yeah, Developing regular, repeated relationships, experiences and practices that make space for God in this busyness of life. In Deuteronomy 30, it says this, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curse. I don't know about you, but I want... Uh, life and blessings, not death and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants, in some uh, translations it actually says you and your children, that you can make this choice by loving God uh, love, by loving the Lord, your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land. Phenomenal. I'd love to break down that, that, that verse. But there's not enough time this morning as we go, we'll go through this. We all have rules like this is the stuff that we have in our lives to do your best, never give up, never say never, just do it. These mottos tether us to certain behaviours and attitudes so that we can, in the words of another rule, be all that we can be. That's a rule of life as well. They help us live towards what we most want. Developing a rule of life is a way of being intentional about the personal rhythms and guidelines that shape our days. There's that word intentional again. One of the early Christian rules of life is found in Acts 2.42. It says, Here we find that believers devoted themselves to the apostles. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to their fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. This rule shaped their lives and hearts in the circumstances that they were in. They knew themselves, they knew their God. It acknowledges the impossibility of becoming like Christ through effort alone, through practices alone, knowing that we need to involve God in our everyday to become closer to God in our everything. 
The rule offered disciplines that made space to attend to the supernatural presence of the Trinity at work in and among them. How good would that be as a church these days to have that happen in not just a few people in our church, but everyone? The rule of the early church described descendants uh, sorry, d- described distinct practices that were different from the cultural norms of the day. Over the years, Christians have developed rules and rhythms for living that center their lives of, in loving Christ rather than the worldly acts. The next one is something that I'm trying to implement into my life. Sabbath. Sabbath is God's gift of redemptive and regular rest. It is given for our delight and communion with God. Time for being in the midst of a life of doing particularly characterizes the Sabbath. Does your soul desire this? To set apart one day a week for rest and worship of God. Don't get mistaken. It's not just to sit in bed and just go, yeah, I'm having a lazy day. No, 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 no. This is intentionally setting it aside for rest and worship of God. Does your soul yearn for this? Setting aside time for intimacy with God and others you love. Resting in one, uh, resting in God one day per week. Practicing restful activities like walks, picnics, a Sunday afternoon nap, a a phone visit with somebody that you love, tea, tea or coffee with a friend, family time, games with your kids, even making love with your partner. Letting go of things that stress you for just 24 hours and knowing that God's got your back. Letting the difficult conversations happen on another day. Not developing a to-do list, not to making sure that things get done on that day, but to intentionally seeking what God wants in our lives and listening to his response, not just speaking at him. Refraining from competitions that move us into a bad place. In Hebrews 4.1, it starts outlining this. God promises, God's promise of entering his rest still stands. It goes on in between 9 to 11, it says this. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, here's the kicker, if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. If we say we're having a Sabbath, but we're not intentionally seeking God, then there is no Sabbath in that. We'll start working on our own desires on our own way. Jesus took specific aim at this misunderstanding of the Sabbath. As Lord of the Sabbath, he freely interpreted the Sabbath, commanding and claiming that God gave it to his people as a restorative and recuperative gift. God did not intend for life to be all effort. So he punctuated each week 
with 24 hours of Sabbath rest, during which people could remember what life is all about and who it is for. Sadly, everything about us works against slowing down. Our compulsion is to produce and not waste uh, to, not, not to waste time, invades the space God has given us to rest. Children's sports activities, organised activity and uh, other organised activities for children, professional sporting events, whether you're involved or you're supporting, round-the-clock accessibility to work with phones and internet, emails, store and stores also fill up the Sabbath days. We never stop. It doesn't have to be a Sunday. But if you choose a day, make sure that your intent that that Sabbath is what it's made for. For, re- for committing to resting, reflecting, recouping and reclaiming life in God. Our next one this morning is Visa Divina. I've spoken about um, uh, Lecta Divina, but Visa Divina is one that I want to introduce you to this morning. In the practice of Visa Divina, we intentionally seek God by praying with images, icons, created media, and creation itself. Does your soul desire this? To worship God in the beauty of created things, entering a door of praise through the beauty of creation, allowing the creativity of others to open up paths of worship, praying in colour with pencils, paintbrushes, or felt markers in your hand. These are the creative natures of people coming out now. Intentionally seeking to worship God when you run, hike, or exercise outdoors. Using your senses to pray. Asking God to guide your meditation on images and photos, arts and icons, etc. to open your heart to what God is saying. Watching how God-given cycles of nature can speak to you in your own place, in your own growth sessions and seasons. In Psalm 19, it says this, between 1 and 4, it says, The heaven proclaims the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet the message has gone through the earth and their words to all the world. God is speaking through so many different ways. Are we listening? Creation speaks. It speaks elegantly. It pours forth speech of God. God ambushes people on riverbanks, on mountaintops, in wilderness wastelands, whirlwinds, burning bushes and rushing winds. The house of God stretches from the view out your window, if you look out your window now, to the edge of the universe and beyond. All we have to do is see it, notice it. In an altar in the world is the set of the little altar in our heart where we reverence the handiwork of the Creator. Lecto Divina, as I said before, is the way to prepare to pray the scripture. Visa Divina is the holy scene 
is a way to prepare with the eyes and pray into what God is doing. Our last one this morning, as we start wrapping up the service, is worship itself. Worship happens whenever we intentionally cherish God and value him above all else in life. Worship reveals what is important to us. Does your soul desire this? To honour and adore the Trinity as supreme treasurer of life, focusing on and responding to God with your whole being, offering my body as a spiritual act of worship as it's seen in Romans 12, responding to God's truth and loving obedience, regularly engaging in worship communities, seeking first the kingdom of God and keeping secondary things where they belong second. In Hebrews 12, it outlines it here. Since we are receiving the kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshipping with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. I want to be captured by that fire. Don't you? Worship is a word most often associated with religion. But worship can be found in the lives of agnostics and even atheists. The simple truth is that everybody looks to something or someone to give them life and to give their lives meaning. Worship reveals the some things or someone we value most. What we love and adore and focus on forms us into the people we become. Some of us highly value our independence. Others pour our time and energy into totem poles of power, approval, success, control or happiness. We may not consider our obsessions with these things as acts of worship, but they are. They are what we look to in all times to get us up in the morning, to keep us going through the day. What do you look to to keep you going through the day? True worship does not equal going to church on a Sunday and only a Sunday and singing through songs. This is not particularly a new thought. It's, it's been going for many, many years. Jesus knew people could attend a synagogue while focusing on the closing of their business deals on a Monday. And he also knew that there could be a new house addition on Tuesday, and that's where our thoughts are captured. Whereas we're not actually being attentive to worshipping the person that has created us. He simply put it in Matthew 15. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Worship can be offered in the power of self rather than the response in the spirit. I'm going to say that again. Worship can be offered in the power of self rather than the response in the spirit. True worship of God happens when we put God in our lives first, when what God says matters more than what we say or others say, and when loving God matters more than being loved yourself. 
So this morning I introduced you to celebration, gratitude, holy communion, rule of life, Sabbath, visa divina, and worship. I'm hoping that something throughout uh, these exposures has actually captured your eye, captured your soul, and you want to intently press into this morning, this week, as we create opportunities and spacings. Can I encourage you, and I cannot encourage you enough, to take 20 minutes of this week to sit with God and anything that may have actually made your ears prick up, make your heart starting to dance. Look into it. Sit in it. Be in it. And allow God to transform in it. I'm hoping that you're encouraged this morning. I'm hoping that you join us tomorrow night at 6 p.m. on Facebook and then through Zoom on Wednesday night to be able to explore this just that little bit more as we are transforming in who God has already originally created us to be. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you for already supplying these spiritual disciplines. Lord, I pray that you give us a steadfast yearning to be able to step into these, to actually impart them into our lives so that we can, um, we can become closer to you, that we can actually understand your, your calling of our lives individually, but as your church, as your hands and feet. So I pray that you be with us, that we can actually see your work in our lives as we hand more and more of ourselves over to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. I hope you have a fantastic week. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. www.cofcpenrith.org.